This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've got a Heisman Trophy voter joining the show today. Good morning. It's Wednesday, November 17th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Joining the show today, Mike Carmen, sports reporter for the Journal and Courier in Lafayette, Indiana, covering Purdue. All things Purdue. Also, Heisman voter. That's why we want him on the show today. I love Purdue. I love what they do. But, but I think Mike understood in the midst of one of the weirdest, most obscure, bizarre, unsure, whatever, whatever you want to say about it, Heisman Trophy race we've had in ever quite our lifetime. Who knows? Uh, it, it was important for us to get someone on to run through the candidates. Does it matter that Bryce Young hasn't had a Heisman Trophy moment yet? Kenneth Walker, does it matter? He's probably not going to be on a playoff team. C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, how do you choose between the two of them? Can Will Anderson, a defensive player, can he get the Heisman? We have a good discussion about that. I'm excited for you to hear from Mike. Also, of course, today, it's Wednesday, so that means last night playoff rankings came out. We have playoff rankings reaction at the end of our show from my guy Colin Kennedy, one of our new national editors, writers, and reporters at 20. 7 sports. In listening, I, I devour college football podcasts, and I realized in listening last week and, and the week before that every single show I listen to does playoff reaction, even if it's like a Friday episode at the beginning of the show. And once I've heard one playoff reaction, I've heard them all. So I would just find myself fast forwarding through the playoff reaction to get the actual meat of the episode. So we want to give you the playoff reaction at the end of the episode. If you have a team that's in the playoff race, you can listen to it then. If not, I think this Heisman conversation is more informative for the rest of college football. And then of course, early Tuesday morning, Saw this news while I was drinking my morning coffee. Virginia Tech fired Justin Fuente. $10 million buyout. They did not want to wait till it dropped in mid-December because of the early signing period. We will go in-depth on the Hokies hot board later this week on the College Football Daily. For now, here's Mike Carmen, Heisman Trophy voter. Okay, Mike Carmen joins us right now. Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for coming on. I know that the Heisman Trust won't let you, won't let you say who you're going to vote for yet, but I imagine that you don't even know because this is a pretty pretty uh, unclear year. Yeah, there's a lot of candidates, uh, a lot of good candidates and a lot of candidates that are no longer candidates <laughs> and probably a candidate or two that will emerge to the top over the next uh, two, two or three weeks. So it is a very interesting year. I think there'll be a lot of guys getting votes. I'm, I'm very curious who wins it, but also very curious who gets to go to New York City and how many people they, how many players they take to New York City this year. Yeah, that's an honor in and of itself. It's like, you know, you make it the final four, you might not win it all, but at least you got to make the final four. As a Heisman voter, what do you look for the most? Is it, I mean, I'll just, I'll just reopen that up to you. You know, Best player on the best team, you know, best player period, uh, most memorable story. What, what are you going for the most? Well, I mean, I think you got to look at a combination of factors when, whether it's a running back, quarterback, receiver, or whomever, you know, how did, how did they do against the best competition that they faced? I mean, a lot of guys put up great numbers, but what happened when they played 
the best competition on their schedule. And, you know, the schedule is kind of out of these players' control because, you know, you have conference games and then you have non-conference games that are set so many years in advance that you just kind of play who's there. But how did they do against the better competition? That doesn't mean an SEC player wins every time. So that's one thing you look at. You know, you just you just kind of look at the overall performance. I'm not I'm not always sold the best player on the best team because there's a there's other factors why that team is as good as they are. Is there is there a guy that has carried a team maybe to a better record than they have they've had had in the last couple of years? Maybe didn't win a championship, but was the was the difference why that team pushed forward the way that it did? So I think it's important to look at a lot of things. In any year, it's extremely hard to, to narrow it down to three, but I think this year is going to be really difficult to come up with three three guys that you feel good about. That last qualifier you said carries a team to a different level we weren't expecting made me think of Kenneth Walker. So you, the, the Purdue beat, you've seen Kenneth Walker, you've seen C.J. Stroud, you've seen Travion Henderson. Those guys are in the top six in the Heisman odds. Any indelible impressions from watching those three with – it does, did one in person, Mike, stand out as clearly the best player on the field? Well, I mean, Kenneth Walker hit his hit around his average against Purdue, uh, so he had a he had a good performance. But when I think about what Ohio State has on its roster and the weapons that it has, you know, C.J. Stroud just is the king of the kingdom because of his three receivers that can get open at any time. And then you mix in the running game, as you mentioned with Henderson and, you know, they rushed for 263 yards last week against Purdue and they were able to really win that game comfortably because of the running game. I mean, if you, if you got to pick a guy from Ohio state, that's really going to be hard. I'm not sure who the MVP on their team is because they have so many guys. And now that Garrett Wilson is back, it kind of rounds out that rounds out that receiving core. So yeah, it, it's, there's been some standout performances against Purdue this year. You know, Wisconsin had a had a couple running backs that combined for 290 yards, but those guys are not probably will not be in that conversation. But you know, I was I was impressed with what kind of Walker has done, and you do follow the guys in the Big Ten a little bit closer, uh, whether you see them in person or you just kind of check in with them throughout the year to see what's going on. But it was it, it was nice to see Kenneth Walker in person. Nice to see the Ohio State playmakers in person. That way, you do have a better better feel for what's going on. I don't know how you how long you've been a Heisman voter, but does the Ohio State situation, where you've got clearly a very talented quarterback, former five star, but also clearly surrounded by superior talent as well, does that remind you of any situation you've had to straddle before a, a vote scenario where you've got so many talented guys? It's hard to know. Who gets credit? Like Alabama's had those offenses. Maybe back in the day, USC, you know, Leonard and Bush. Do you fall back on any past precedents when when trying to figure out who gets the credit for the Buckeyes? Not really. I mean, Alabama's probably the closest comparison because when they've had Heisman Trophy winners and Heisman Trophy candidates, obviously they've been really, really good, and they've had more than one one dynamic player on that team. So sometimes it comes down to say, okay, well, which. <laughs> which which dynamic player are you going to pick? And you could probably in some years with Alabama, you could make you could make a case that three of their guys should have been on the ballot. And I think that's similar to Ohio State, what they have this year, where you could put the quarterback, two of the receivers, or one of the receivers and the running back all on the ballot because they're that good and they've been that dynamic uh, this year. Not that I go back and lean on anything. You just I, I think it's important to look at every every season and every situation as its own, try to try to come up with the best determination. And, you know, you'd, you'd ask earlier some of the criteria, I, you know, I, I think you do weigh a little bit, at least I do weigh a little bit 
just you want that team to be successful, but may but maybe you know they don't have to win a championship for the guy on that team to win the Heisman. You, you want that team to be successful, so I think this you know the next couple of weeks, what happens with a team like Ohio State and some other teams? You know how far do they go? Do they win their conference championship? And you know, and how do they win their conference championship? Are they are the guys that are Heisman Trophy candidates? Are they the ones doing it to make sure that they win uh, their their conference championship? So Bryce Young right now is the best odds and his stats have been excellent. 33 touchdowns, only three interceptions, 12th nationally in yards. I think with him though, we haven't had a Saturday night yet where we've talked about Bryce Young. And I feel like that matters in the Heisman discussion. He's, and, and of course, you know, it's, it's not his fault. He's on a loaded team that doesn't have many close games. It kind of reminds me of Tua a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, like they, they got Arkansas coming up this week and they got Auburn and then they're going to have the SEC title. So I'm assuming if Bryce Young wins the Heisman, that means he maybe even beat Georgia and and had the Heisman moment, or at least had us talking about him. Are you a big Heisman moment guy, Mike? Like, do you need to have that that one crystallized play that you're like, yeah, give it to him? Not necessarily. I mean, if it happens, uh, that's fine, but not necessarily. Like, if Bryce Young goes out and beats Georgia, that might be his that might be his Heisman moment. I don't know if it'll be one play in that game, but if he goes out and beats that team and he's the guy responsible for beating that team with how he plays and how he manages the game, then that that's going to go a long way with people. I've often said that guys like myself, reporters that cover a team, we, we may be the worst people to vote because we're, we're usually focused on one team for 12 or 13 weeks. So we don't get to see a lot. We don't, you know, we're watching highlights. We're watching recaps. So we don't, we don't get to sit on a Saturday except maybe one Saturday a year because of an off week to kind of peruse the whole college football landscape and see what's going on and try to take take some sort of snapshot. So it's I find it very difficult because I you don't see enough of these players and although I've seen, you know, the Ohio State players in person and the Michigan State running back in person, that, that's just one Saturday of of 12 or 13. So I I find it extremely difficult to to really lock in and hone in. I, I know, you know, it's, it's a privilege to have the vote. I get that. And I do do my homework on it. But sometimes I also feel like I don't have enough information just for my own personal satisfaction to to really deliver the kind of vote that maybe somebody that doesn't cover a team, but can sit back every Saturday and kind of look at what's going on on the landscape to, to have a better idea. That's really interesting. Are there like 900 Heisman voters? Yeah, like yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a whole lot. Uh, well, I thought you guys, you know, last year I thought Devontae Smith was was the right call. I think it's. Uh, I, I have one more question for you. I will say, I yeah. think for the most part, the votes get it right. You can go back through history and stuff. I mean, there's probably some debates that have taken place, but I think for the most part, the people that vote at the end of the day, I, th- I think it's the right. It usually is the right choice. Yeah, this year, and th- this bakes into my last question. This year, when there's not really standout runaway and it feels like we might just give it to the Alabama quarterback or the Ohio State quarterback feels like a good year to go defense and you are up close and personal with one of the best in the country George Karlaftis so I I would assume Mike that you have a a fond appreciation for gritty tough defensive players not and I don't know how you voted in 2019 maybe you maybe you voted for Chase Young over Joe Burrow you probably didn't but could you ever talk yourself into to voting a defender one because Will Anderson at Bama is is on a tear and and he might have a chance, and then you know feels like if if we could just give the Heisman to a, a defensive unit, we could give it to a, the entire Georgia defense. But do, do you ever see that that happening again in college football? I don't see it happening, but it it hasn't prevented me from putting a, a defensive player on my ballot. Maybe not, not at number one, but if there's a guy that's been 
that impactful for the entire college football season, then and I, and I, and I feel like it, you know he he played a key role in his team going as far as they could. They don't necessarily have to win the national championship or be in the college football playoff, but you know, is, is he the reason that they they've reached where they where they have? And I, I'm not I'm not bashful about that, and I and I think that's that's probably needed a little bit. I mean, we, I understand that the game of football is all about offense. The rules are designed to score points, and the defensive players get get left behind. So I I would like to see it happen one day, and I think there there have been candidates throughout the years where it probably should have happened uh, just just because they were they were the best players. You know, it's hard to go look at, okay, well, what if this guy's drafted ahead of all these offensive players? Would that make him the legitimate Eisman favorite? I, I don't know if you want to if you want to venture out to that. It's more about what you've done in college than what you're going to do at the pro level. Uh, but it, it's hard to ignore, I, I think, sometimes. So yeah, I'd like to see it. I wish it would happen, but I'm not sure it'll happen in my in my voting lifetime here. Mike, we appreciate you joining us. Not only is it fun to talk to a, a Heisman voter, but the fact that you've had that front row seat to to Kenneth Walker and, and Stroud and and Travion Henderson, and you've just seen like the the team you've covered this year has been such a big part of college football. Uh, the Purdue Boilermakers, the spoiler makers that it's uh, uh, it, it was a uh, of all the Heisman voters to talk to, you're the guy I would have chosen first. Oh well, thank you very much, and don't don't forget about David Bell. He's a freak. I I, I think I think the entire first team All American list should just be comprised of Big Ten receivers. All right, big thanks to Mike. Definitely not going to forget about David Bell. Follow him on Twitter at Carmen underscore JC. All right, and now as promised, making his monologue debut on the College Football Daily. We've had him on a few times to talk Oklahoma Sooners, but I hope he does well. Here's Colin Kennedy recording late at night on the College Football Playoff. We have some rankings to discuss. That's right. The third edition of the College Football Playoff rankings are out here in the 2021 season and why wait to talk about it. All right, we've got to go quick, so let's get right into things. Starting it off at 25 through 21, you've got Mississippi State, Houston, Utah, UTSA, and Arkansas. Making it in while not previously ranked, Mississippi State and Houston. And I got to say, I'm really pumped for Houston. This is a team that's having a really strong season. Dana Holgerson's squad making some noise. I'm really personally looking forward to that matchup with Cincinnati in the AAC championship game, a big one to circle on conference championship weekend. All right, moving right along, 20 through 16, NC State, San Diego State, Pittsburgh, Iowa, and Texas A&M. Obviously, the Aggies taking that tough loss to Ole Miss. Zach Helzada really looked like he was going to be playing some strong football, but Kind of went back to his old ways against the Rebels. Still, though, you got to tip your cap to Jimbo Fisher and what he's been able to do there in College Station. All right, here's where I kind of want to dive into some things as we get into the top 15. Wisconsin, BYU, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, and Baylor from 15 to 11. All right, starting with Wisconsin, I don't know if you've been able to see much of them this season, but this Badgers team did not get the start that it wanted. The Badgers go one and three. Over the course of their first four games, Graham Mertz is not playing high-level football. This offense just doesn't have its typical identity. and The defense can only do so much. However, since then, they've rattled off six straight wins. Braylon Allen has subbed in for Chesma Lucy at running back and been an absolute star. And they're a fun team to watch right now. Really looking forward to that Big Ten Championship game appearance if they can get in there. And so how about Wisconsin really starting to find itself 
going down the stretch. Okay, let's go to Oklahoma. Look, say what you will about this committee, but they got it exactly right when it comes to Oklahoma. Obviously, the Sooners were undefeated, but weren't at the ranking many expected, largely because that despite holding that undefeated record, not only were they not playing formidable opponents, but they just weren't looking good in those games. Tulane gave Oklahoma a game, and that's not a very good Green Wave team right now. Obviously, the struggle at home against Nebraska is well recorded. The win over Texas doesn't look as good as it once did. And then you go to this game against Baylor. Now, keep in mind that that loss was out of the bye week. Several key returning starters were coming back. And Dave Aranda essentially says in a presser, that he really didn't start watching film until Wednesday. So the whole Dave Aranda has Lincoln Riley's number narrative, obviously pretty relevant in a situation like this. But the bottom line here is, even though it's a loss to a ranked opponent, it's still one of the worst losses Lincoln Riley has had as a head coach. Then to Baylor at 11, they jump after that win over OU. Don't have too much else to say outside of the fact that it's a well-deserved ranking. Dave Aranda doing some very special things there with Jeff Grimes, who he brought in from BYU, a team that joins them inside the top 15. Watch out for the Baylor Bears, though. Not only are they playing really good football, but they're obviously still fighting for an appearance in the Big 12 Championship, and they have a key road game this weekend against Kansas State. The Wildcats have been playing really good football since that comeback win over Texas Tech. So keep an eye on that game. All right, to the top 10, let's go 10 through 6. You've got Wake Forest, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, and then the Michigan State and Michigan debacle. The team I really want to highlight before I get to that Michigan and Michigan State situation is Oklahoma State. Look, Jalen Warren, since he really started to get things going after about two or three weeks, has been outstanding. And Oklahoma State has figured out if they just make sure that Spencer Sanders stays within himself, they can win a lot of football games. Why is that? Because of this defense. Jim Knowles has done an outstanding job of getting this unit to play high caliber football on a consistent basis. Look, Oklahoma State is a team that nobody wants to play right now. And I treat Bedlam similar to the way that I treat Michigan and Ohio State. I'm probably not going to pick Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma until I see it with my own eyes. But this is by far and away the best chance the Cowboys have to finally beat Oklahoma and then go on to eventually win a Big 12 championship. Would that get them into the playoffs, though? Keep in mind, like Reese Davis pointed out on the show tonight, number nine is the lowest ranked team that has ever made a college football playoff. All right, let's go to this Michigan-Michigan State thing. Look, this is this is my thought on it. It obviously doesn't really matter right now, right? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, who cares? We're getting into a crucial stretch within the Big Ten. A lot of these teams are going to start playing each other. But when you look at a situation towards the top, two teams we'll get to here in a second, but Oregon is at three, Ohio State is at number four. Oregon beat Ohio State in the head-to-head. That is far and away a more meaningful situation, and you put the team that beat the other above it because of the head-to-head matchup. So I just sit here and I laugh because if you're going to do that and it makes sense in a far more crucial spot, why wouldn't you apply that same logic to something like this? I mean, you're getting a stir out of everybody for nothing. Just let the dominoes fall. I don't know. 
All right, let's go to the top five. Cincinnati remains unbeaten. However, I will say this. The Bearcats are becoming a team that I have profited greatly off of simply picking the other team to cover the spread. Look, Cincinnati still has that unbeaten record, but it's still in a similar situation to what Oklahoma faced just before taking its loss. Cincinnati has something to prove, and the luxury that it does not have that an Oklahoma did is that it can't be this phenomenal comeback story. For example, Oklahoma was going to be that team that if they went unbeaten and got a bunch of these wins down the stretch, they were going to find a way to scratch and claw their way in. However, they would have clawed their way past a team in Cincinnati. And right now, the Bearcats still have to look over their shoulder. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the fact that not only are there teams behind them who can still get into this thing, but Cincinnati just hasn't handled its business as we get closer to the final rankings. I mean, when you've essentially not been dominant in a stretch that features Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, and USF, how are we supposed to react? And furthermore, how is the committee supposed to react? I mean, yes, you're the group of five team trying to be that Cinderella story, but right now, this season has been far from a fairy tale. So look, SMU has obviously struggled, been a rough few games for the Mustangs, but don't rule that game out. Cincinnati really has to go out and send a message. And then again, I'll reiterate, one of the most exciting conference championship matchups for me is that game between Cincinnati and Houston. Cincinnati could secure its spot in the college football playoff with that type of win. Again, this is a ranked Houston team now, and it would be that final notch in the resume that Cincinnati needs, especially if they're able to go out there and win convincingly. So while I continue to wait for that, let's get into the top four real quick. I obviously mentioned Ohio State and Oregon at four and three. Really excited to see how Ohio State gets through these final couple games within the Big Ten. And I'd also add, don't rule out the fact that C.J. Stroud might be fighting his way towards a Heisman Trophy resume. Then there's Oregon, another team that hasn't always looked great, but at the same time continues to win games ever since that disappointing loss to Stanford. Right now, if they continue to handle business, they'll be in the college football playoff. And then there's the top two, Alabama and Georgia clearly on a collision course to play each other in the SEC championship game. I wasn't going to say firmly that this was going to be the case, but Bo Nick goes down for Auburn. And not only is that an incredibly disappointing loss because Bo Nix has been playing really good football, but Auburn gets Alabama at home. And obviously we know home Bo is a big deal. So without having to deal with him, I think Alabama has smooth sailing towards the SEC championship. And then there's Georgia. I don't know what else to say other than the fact that it may not be the most popular take, but I've really enjoyed seeing Stetson Bennett do what he's been able to do. And that's going to do it. That is your third edition of this season's college football playoff rankings. I'm Colin Kennedy. Be sure to check out 24-7 Sports for all the college football and recruiting content that you need. Be safe and continue to enjoy this 2021 season. Thanks, Colin. I agree with all of your takes. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Worked late on Tuesday night putting the show together. My name is Trey Scott. Once again, appreciate Mike Carmen joining the show. We will talk to you on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.